Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. This episode is the third and final part of our series on animals. The summer library program theme this year is Tells and Tells, so we asked some of the employees here at MLC to talk about their favorite animals or pets and maybe share their favorite book or two which features an animal. While we might not have a Joe here, we are going to talk about some exotic and interesting animals. Have you ever wondered if a rabbit's ears are only for listening? What about what is the only mammal that cannot jump? Or why is a hedgehog called a hedgehog? Tune in to find out these answers and more in this episode of Stacks and Stories. My name is Alex Brower and I am the Information Services Director here at the Mississippi Library Commission. So we are talking about our favorite animals and my favorite animal is my pet rabbit named Louie who I found in a parking lot. Well, I, my sister found her. I did not, you know, I missed the excitement unfortunately, but now she lives in a tiny house inside my house and she's my best friend. She has a lot of opinions. She's very uh, persnickety, but I love her very much. And that kind of leads me into her finding story, kind of leads me into my favorite book about an animal, which is Because of Winn-Dixie. And if you have not read Because of Winn-Dixie by Kate D. Camillo, the first chapter, the opening, is this big mess in the Winn-Dixie, you know, where India lives, because this dog has got in and is knocking over all the vegetables. And according to my sister, Louie put up quite a fight and was not willing to be easily caught. So her and her boyfriend, Austin, chased her around for probably an hour. And so just, I got that same energy, you know, from the first chapter of Because of Winn-Dixie. And I just love this book. I read it when I was a kid and I just, I could read it over and over again. I just. We've always gotten our animals, you know, from the streets. We've always just kind of found them. And, you know, it takes place in the South, so I really just connected with the story, and I love all of Kate DiCamillo's writing. And so it's just a really good story about a dog that I love. Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Dunaway, and I'm the grants coordinator here at the Mississippi Library Commission. As I'm sure you may know, the theme for this year's summer library program is Tales and Tales. So I'm here to talk about one of my favorite books involving two amphibian best friends, Frog and Toad. Frog and Toad are Friends was published in 1970 by Arnold Lobel. It's a classic collection of five short stories, only about 10 to 15, maybe 20 pages each, between friends, Frog and Toad. The book is an easy reader book, so it's great for ages four to around eight. But honestly, I'm 30, and I still love to pick up this little book and read through it. The book is illustrated in beautiful earthy tones with lots of browns and greens. The stories follow Frog and Toad through their adventures and illuminates the importance of friendship and affection in meeting even the smallest challenges in our daily lives. I remember one story, Frog finds Toad sitting on his porch looking pretty glum. Of course, Frog asks Toad what the matter is and Toad is waiting for Mr. Snail to bring the mail. Toad is sad because he thinks, once again, he will not receive a letter. Frog sits with Toad on his porch, and Toad confesses that he's actually never received a letter before. So Frog gets this really great idea to rush home, write Toad a letter, saying how grateful he is to have Toad as his friend, and then Frog gives the letter to Mr. Snail to deliver. He rushes back to Toad's house and excitedly tells him that he will soon have a letter come in the mail. The two wait happily together and eventually receive the letter. Now, how adorable is that? It's a grown woman. If a friend of mine went and did that for me, I can tell you I'd probably tear up because that's so sweet. 
If you've never read Frog and Toad or Friends, I encourage you to pick up the book. It's a wholesome little collection of stories that are sure to warm the hearts of all readers. Hi, my name is Charmaine Frazier, and I'm the State E-Rate Coordinator for Mississippi Libraries. This is my first podcast, and I'm excited to be a part of this year's Tales and Tales. My favorite animal has four legs, a short tail, a long trunk, and two big ears. Can you guess which animal it is? If you guessed an elephant, then you are correct. I love elephants. When I was a little girl, I wanted one for my very own. When I went to the county fair, I always played games that had a stuffed animal elephant as a prize. One time, I got to ride an elephant, and that was the scariest but most greatest moment of my life. Even today, my favorite football team has an elephant as its mascot. As you can tell, I really do like elephants. So I thought today I would share some fun facts about this amazing mammal. Did you know that elephants are the only mammal incapable of jumping or leaving the ground. It's true. And even though they have really big ears, they use their feet to listen to sound. African elephants are easy to distinguish from other elephants because their ears are shaped like the country of Africa. How cool is that? Did you know it's only a myth that elephants are afraid of mice? Did you know that elephants really don't like peanuts? And when it comes to elephants, though, females rule the herd. Made up of many generations of female relatives, these herds are the ultimate version of girl time. Amazingly, elephants will take care of weak or injured family members and bury those that pass away. They have real emotions that are very similar to ours. We can learn a lot from elephants. There is a little golden book titled The Saggy Baggy Elephant, written by Katherine Jackson, that I absolutely adore. It's about an elephant named Suki. He has big ears, a big nose, and saggy, baggy skin that doesn't fit him very well. He doesn't really know who he is or what kind of animal he is, so he sets off on a journey to find himself. Along the way, he runs into a parrot that really gives him a hard time about his looks. And I won't give away all the details, but all in all, it's a classic story with a timeless message. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't listen to what others say about you. And always be comfortable in your own skin. Thanks so much for letting me share. Hi everyone, my name is Jessica Parson. I am the Library Services Assistant here at MLC. And today I'll be giving you guys a few fun facts about my favorite animal, the rabbit. So these facts are coming from the Columbus Humane. So let's get into it. So my first fun fact about the rabbit is that to express happiness, they will sometimes jump around and flick their head and their feet. And this behavior is known as binky, which is weird because I always associated binkies with what is called as a pacifier with a cute little blanket. So it makes sense. Two comforting things, a rabbit and a blanket. A rabbit's ears aren't just for listening. They also regulate their body temperature. The ear vessels swell when it's hot and contract when it's cold. And also a fun fact about those same ears, they can almost rotate into a full circle. So they rotate to 270 degrees, which is super cool, super weird. Rabbits can jump a little over three feet high and 10 feet long. Rabbits can also be very affectionate and bond closely with their owners and some will even come when called. 
Another fun fact is that there are over 60 species of rabbits, which I did not know until today. So that's fun. And also rabbits have a blind spot. You'll think it'll be on the side of their faces, but it's actually in the middle of like their forehead above their cute little noses because their eyes are located on either side of their head. Kind of like a fish, I guess, if you want to think about it that way. So that's another fun fact. And to associate rabbits with one of my favorite all-time children's stories, that is The Velveteen Rabbit by Marjorie Williams. Originally, it was published in 1922. It is a British children's story. And so overall, the story is about how a stuffed rabbit becomes a real rabbit through the power of love. I'm not going to go too much into it. But just know it's one of my favorite stories. And as a kid, it was one of my comfort stories that I got read to a lot. And in a weird way, it kind of helped me navigate through life as a child in terms of like understanding and preparing for the adult world, in terms of understanding like dynamic changes and relationships, things of that nature. So I definitely recommend for all the children and parents out there to pick up The Velveteen Rabbit, give it a read and let us know what you think. Hey there, my name is Katie Gill. I am the Digital Documents Coordinator at the Mississippi Library Commission, as well as one of the people who regularly edits the podcast. So I'm here to tell you a couple of fun little animal facts about my favorite weirdo animal, the platypus. So the platypus is a monotreme, which means that it is a mammal that lays eggs. And there's only like three or four monotremes in the animal world, period which tells you just how weird this funky little guy is. They are native to Australia. The males have a venomous spur on the back of their hind leg that they use to poison people when they kick them. And also platypuses are, I believe the technical term is biofluorescent, which means that they glow under UV light and nobody has any clue why they do that. They just do that because they're weird and I love them. So a book that I would like to recommend featuring animals unfortunately has nothing to do with platypuses, but it has a lot to do with cows and sheep and goats and dogs. It is also not one book, but a series of books by the author James Harriet. He's best known for the book All Creatures Great and Small, which is him talking about his life as a vet in a small town in England. There's lots of helping cows give birth and lots of treating sheep diseases and things like that. But he has also written so many books. There are a couple more books about his time in England. They're titled things like All Things Bright and Beautiful, The Lord God Made Them All. And he also has a compilation of small little short stories about animals that have been compiled from some of those books, compiled from other books. James Harriet's Cat Tales is one that I recommend because I love cats and he loves cats and cat stories are great. So yes, if you are an adult who wants to get on some of that summer reading and you want some nice, charming, peaceful English countryside, I highly recommend Any and All Books by James Harriet. Hi, my name is Lacey Ellenwood and I'm the Library Development Director here at the Mississippi Library Commission. The two titles I will be discussing each feature owls and rodents. The impact of children being able to choose their own books can have positive effects on summer reading retention. A book that I received during those old school Pizza Hut reading challenges was Beatrix Potter's Squirrel Nutkin. The story of an impertinent red squirrel named Nutkin and his narrow escape from an owl called Old Brown. It remains one of my favorite children's books, not only for the illustrations, but the lessons it imparts on the reader. 
Those are ask permission before taking things and respect your elders. While the book has more socially significant messages rooted in the political landscape of early 20th century England, these were the lessons I learned as a child from this 1903 classic. Squirrels are familiar to almost everybody, and there are more than 200 species of squirrels that live all over the world, with the notable exception of Australia. The owl is a powerful character in another classic children's book that captured my young imagination, and that is Robert C. O'Brien's 1971 work, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. I encourage you all to check out the 1982 film based on this book, The Secrets of Nim. Children may connect more to the fantastical nature of the animals in the film. There are goofy crows, precocious mice, villainous rats, and a cat named Dragon. The character of Justin may or may not have been my first crush, even if he was a fictitious rat. I hope you will check out these books and many others at your library this summer. Hey, I'm Tracy Carr, the Library Services Director here at MLC, and I was first going to go with the baby elephant as my favorite animal. I mean, regular elephants are cool, but baby elephants are, they're pretty majestic, especially if you watch videos of them like chasing butterflies and falling down hills and splashing in tubs. It's an immediate mood booster. But I have a new favorite animal. I follow this animal in general on Twitter. Anyway, it's a capybara. The capybara is a giant rodent. And you know what? That doesn't sound cute, but it's kind of like a guinea pig and a dog and a coconut got all mixed up together and they created a capybara. When I said it's a giant rodent, they usually are about four feet long and they are native to South America. I looked at some fun facts about capybaras today and learned some very disturbing things, but I did think it was kind of funny. They Sometimes they are, this is what Wikipedia said, it's hunted for grease for its thick fatty skin. That's pretty gross, but if you want to rebound from that horrible fact, you should Google pelican capybara video. And apparently pelicans are jerks. And it's this video of a pelican trying to eat a capybara. The capybara could eat the pelican. It's much bigger, but it's like it tries to get it in its mouth and it's hilarious. And you will see why I love these animals. They're sociable, they're chill. This guy is not bothered by a pelican trying to like literally eat his head. It's, it's a good time. But a, a book I wanted to tell you about is The Friend by Sigrid Nunez. The, the dangerous thing about books about animals is that often they are not super happy. And this one isn't about a dog that anything bad happens to, but in it, the narrator's friend dies and the whole book is addressed to him. So his widow, who is called wife number three, asks the narrator to take the man's dog, who is a Great Dane named Apollo, and he's in deep mourning. It's not like the happiest book in the world, but it's not intended to be. It's just this very sweet and sad and lyrical book about this woman and her friend. The dog sort of becomes a replacement for her friend who has died. It was nominated for a National Book Award, and it's also about 200 pages. So quick read. It's good. It has a cute cover, too. So what else, what else do you need? 
Hello everyone, my name is Shelley Ziegler and I'm a library consultant here at the Library Commission. You've probably heard me talk a million times. I do a lot of the Stacks and Stories podcast and I also do our YouTube sessions, I guess is the word for uh, Shelf Absorbed with Tracy Carr. So today I would like to talk about one of my favorite animals, the hedgehog. (laughs) And you cannot see me, but I am wearing one of my favorite sweaters that has a hedgehog on it, but not only any hedgehog, a hedgehog with a party hat because that's the way to go. I like any type of clothing that has a small animal with a party hat. So (laughs) I'm very excited about this sweater that no one can see. Let me tell you a little bit about the hedgehog that you might not know. And actually I did not know until I did some research for this presentation today. So as you know, the hedgehog is a spiny mammal. The bristles of a hedgehog are actually very soft. I had the pleasure of being able to hold many hedgehogs in my youth because I had a friend who raised hedgehogs back home in Indiana. And they're very sweet animals, however, I need to preface this. It is not legal in all states to own a hedgehog as a pet. Did you know that? I will list some of the states where it is not legal to have a hedgehog as a pet. California, Georgia, Hawaii, New York City. That's not a state, but Omaha, Nebraska, and Washington, D.C., So some of those are states and some of those are cities. So if you are interested in owning a hedgehog as a sweet pet, be sure to check with your, I don't know where you would go to, but somewhere in your state to make sure that it is legal (laughs) to have a hedgehog as a pet. I don't know what what kind of rules and regulations qualify why a hedgehog would not be legal, but anyway. Anyway, in, um, in, in my home state of Indiana, it was legal, thank goodness. So um, I was able to be around a lot of hedgehogs. So their spiny bristles are actually hollow and they are made of keratin, which our hair is actually made of keratin. And so they are soft and that is why they are soft. Unlike their cousin, the porcupine with their <laughs> bristles are not soft. Their name is derived from the 1450s from a Middle English word, and I know I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but it's hedgehog, (laughs) and it's because they like to frequent hedgerows, and they have a pig-like snout. Other names for a hedgehog is a urchin or a hedge pig. So they are, and they are also nocturnal. So those are some facts about the hedgehog. Oh, also, they really like to eat strawberries, apples, peaches, worms, and slugs. So there you go. 
I also brought a book with me that you might like to read or use in your story time if you're going to use this at a library and it is the sweetest book and it is called Hedgehog Needs a Hug by Jan Betton, B-E-T-T-O-N. And it is about a hedgehog that merely wants a hug. And he goes around asking all of these animals for a hug and no one will hug him. Maybe because of his bristly-like exterior. But guess who finally gives him a hug at the end? Maybe I shouldn't tell, but I'm going to. It's a skunk. His friend the skunk, and no, the skunk does not spray him. So, hedgehog needs a hug. So, I hope you have enjoyed some of these facts about our sweet friend, the hedgehog. And thank you for listening to me today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time. And we encourage you to visit your local public library often.